So Chris Rawson asked me if I had any visuals for today. So I thought, Une and I are coming, that's visual enough for you, I think. <laughs> this is one big visual. Um, no, it's been a, a real privilege for Une and myself to be here with you. It's wonderful. We feel so welcome. And you've made us feel so welcome. This is our first time in Edinburgh, and we hope it's not the last time coming and visiting you here. Really been wonderful. And uh, so enjoyed uh, stories. We started on Friday night with stories. And just to hear the lives of people, and uh, on Saturday night, other stories of people that have been here and spread through Europe, other places, and uh, wonderful teaching of Chris and Dave on so many things, on missional. And uh, I'd like to add one other story today to it that I read from Scripture that really God spoke to me uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were in Brashov. I'll tell you a bit later, but I'd love to turn with you to 1 Samuel 9 and read a few verses. And because of the, uh, the time limit, I won't read the whole passage, but I'll pick out a few verses that will help us for this morning. Um, it says in verse... 1 of 1 Samuel 9, there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphia, of Benjamin. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man with, without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father Kish were lost, and Kish said to his son Saul, Take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Selisha, but they did not find them. They went into the district of Shalim, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they did not find them. And then they start looking for it, they can't find it. And then verse 9 um, uh, the servant has said, really, uh, Saul, let's look for a prophet. There's a prophet somewhere here. And um, he says that formerly in Israel, if a man went to inquire of God, he would say, come, let us go to the seer, because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. And um, so they go and find, uh, and they're looking for Samuel. And then verse 17, when they enter into the city, Samuel caught sight of Saul. And the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And then uh, verse 22, Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. Samuel said to the cook, Bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took up the leg with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, Here is what I have kept for you. Eat because it was set aside for you for this occasion. From the time I said, I have invited guests. And Saul dined with Samuel that day. That's uh, so far, really, the, the reading. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago we went with Dave and Liz to Brashov. 
and, um, and joined them and others on uh, in a conference that was called Freedom in Christ. Um, and at that conference, a couple of leaders were invited for some coffee or for some tea, and Dave took the time out to share for 10 minutes about uh, new ground. And in that talk, he referred to um, how in the 1900s, our continent really was the most Christianized con uh, continent in the whole of the world. How from Geneva, in a very short time, 3,000 churches were planted. How missionaries spread right throughout the world. And, um, and now, Europe is seen much more as a big, giant Goliath. Um, and just listening to this, you can understand that I was immediately drawn to 1 Samuel 9, can't you? It's really... <laughs> <laughs> but it did. It's amazing. I was sitting there, and I thought, that is, that's it. That's it for Edinburgh. I was thinking about Edinburgh while uh, Dave was speaking, and, and the story of the lost donkeys, um, it has some relevant things to say about mission, about becoming missional, or staying missional. Um, those that are lost, and I would suggest this really as a title for this morning, is missional through missing it all. And it doesn't sound very positive, but let me tell you, it's filled with, filled with faith really. Um, it's not the kind of missing that I would say is like this, uh, this woman who missed so much in a marriage. And that night, that evening, she was in bed and the husband came in bed and he turned to his side, he wanted to go to sleep, and he found she was sobbing. And he turned to her and said, uh, what's the matter, darling? And she said, well, you don't love me anymore. And he said, how about I, I love you? Well, you don't love me. Why do you say this? And she said, well, in the past when you came in bed, you would just hug me and keep me very close and comfort me. So he took her in arms and he hugged her for a while and then he turned on the side and wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> so she started sobbing again and he said, darling, what's the matter? He said, you don't love me anymore. And he said, why do you say this? He said, well, in the past you would just hug me, but you also would say very nice words to me. And he hugged her and he said, oh my dear honey, my, my real white dove, I really, really love you. And so he turned aside, he wanted to go back to sleep again. And she started sobbing again. And he said, oh darling, what's the matter? He said, you don't really, you don't really love me. And he said, I do love you. He said, no, you don't. Why do you say this? He said, no. In the past, you would hug me, and you would, you would just say nice words to me, and you would nibble my ear. And, and by that time, he jumped out of bed and went to the bathroom. And she said, why are you leaving? He said, hang on, I'm just getting my teeth back in. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that kind of missing that I'm referring to. <laughs> but what spoke to me, really, is this passage of the lost donkeys is of a son who has been asked by the father to look for the lost donkeys. And I, it just spoke to me that Jesus, as the son, has been asked by the father not to look for donkeys, 
but to look for the lost. And the whole thing of the mission, of Jesus' mission, and what he came to do is to seek and to search and to find those that were lost. And as Jesus speaks about um, to, the, to the Pharisees, he says, he uses parables like uh, the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost sons. And um, it just spoke to me that you and I were lost. And um, God spoke to me personally because I don't live with that many times. I just have to confess that to you. Um, and over these past few years, I've heard another kind of gospel come in that has been preached. It's a bit like this, the gospel that says that in the past we had uh, the so-called motive of saving souls. We were convinced that people in the masses would go to hell. Now, thanks be to God, we believe that all people and all religions are already living in the grace and love of God and will be saved by God's mercy. For God is love and he's a true friend. Now, I don't believe this theology, I don't believe this doctrine, I don't believe what has been said here, but I am sad about the fact that many times in my life, I don't live with that kind of heart that those that don't know Jesus, they are lost. Without Jesus, we are all lost. And maybe out of our own foolishness, like the sheep. Maybe out of our own carelessness, like the coin, or maybe through pride, or our own willfulness, like the younger son, or like a legalistic attitude, like the older son. You know, people might not feel lost, but they are lost in the sense of not belonging anywhere, you know, not going anywhere, not having a future home, no permanent place. And when Jesus prays the, that wonderful prayer in John 17, he has this, his disciples in front of him. And he's praying to the Father. And he says, Father, here they are. I found them. That's basically what he said. I found them. And I kept them safe. And now they are here for you. Um, and with the parables that Jesus is using to the Pharisees, he's really addressing them. And he says this, your concern is with doctrine. My concern is with people. We have a God who is concerned about you and me and about the lost. He loves us. He values us. And he is starting the search. And he has started the search. It's not religion, but it's people that God is interested in. Not just a few disciples, but the whole of creation is missing. And Jesus, just before going back to the Father, he says this, I will go away and prepare a place for you. And Jesus is talking about a home. And, uh, you know, I have found a permanent home. When I got saved, I found a permanent home in Jesus Christ. A safe place forever. Not just a place when I die, but I found a home right now. And you have that prophetic word even this morning about God using you and me to build a home, to build a place of safety for people to belong. And you've been given a family. And we've just had the privilege over these days to find out there's a wonderful family here in Edinburgh. 
It's not just that we worship God enough. I love the times of worship. It's not just good teaching. Yes, it is. But just mixing and mingling with one another, finding out stories and lives and people really affecting one another's lives. I, I just listened uh, last night um, when Matthew interviewed the people. I just looked at their eyes and heard the stories and I found they were emotional. Why? Because this is a family. They have left one family to join another family. But it's, it's relationship. It's been wonderful. And the title of missional through missing it all is really what we have had of what was part of us, that feeling it's no longer part of us, that kind of missing. And it is that what gripped me when Dave spoke about Europe in Brasov. You know, when I hear about times of revival and about what God is doing, and I read books on church history, I'm not the kind of guy that says, well, that was then. That was in the past. That was what God did then, but he wouldn't do it again. No. My first response is, will you do it again, Lord, today? A fact is that today, even in the car today, Une uh, had a conversation with Jenny, and, and then we had a conversation with Dan about a deal Moody visiting this place, and 15,000 people on the hill, and 5,000 of them getting saved. Lord, do it again today. Yes. I just, I'm desperate. And I'm not just think of going back to Reformation time. I'm thinking to go back to the time of the start of the early church, 120 in an upper room, 3,000 saved on the day. You know, Europe needs this. We need this in Europe. I need this. You know, when I look around and I'm, I'm traveling, and we are traveling, you see many churches are led by pastoral, good pastoral people and teachers, but we are desperate for visionary leaders in Europe. People have really got a heart to take the church further into mission. We need this in our cities. We need this in our churches. And, you know, I'm... When Dave spoke last night, again on the New Ground Academy, and, and Dave said about, you know, this whole picture of now having these satellite uh, uh, new uh, academy places where we're thinking now of about 200, 250 people to join and the effect that it can have. You know, I'm thrilled about that. Just hearing that you're doing the same here. It, it's that what is needed. People that have got a heart for mission. They've got a heart to take this message beyond. And we do need God to revive us. And I, just looking at my own heart, I, I cried out this morning, Lord, I need it. I'm desperate for it. I'm really desperate for it. And, you know, I hope that none of us will stay indifferent when we hear about these stories. That we're not just reading through the book of Acts and think, well, that was at that time. No, Lord, just touch me again. Just let me feel, let me, please give me a hunger. Give me a thirst for these things. Uh, Dave spoke yesterday about having a very vital role to play, each of us as individuals, talking about the, the body, about all members and everyone playing his part. And I hope that through this weekend, you don't stay there, well, it's up to someone else. I, I hope it's gripping your heart and you're saying, oh, that's for me, you know. I don't want to stay indifferent. It's easy to stay indifferent when things happen around you. And I was reminded of that when I read a book uh, from Raphael McManus, and a book is called uh, Seizing Your Divine Moment. 
And he gives a, a, an illustration that really touched me when he was uh, having a, a break, a holiday with his family, and his son was still very young. And so they went out for a walk, and he was walking towards the beach. And as he was approaching the beach, he saw in the corner of his eye, he saw this man uh, with no legs at the beach on crutches, or he wanted to get back on crutches. But the, the, the sand was so slippery that every time he tried to get up, the, one of the crutches would slide and would fall back. And he was surrounded with people. And everyone pretended they didn't see it. And he was walking to the beach and he was embarrassed. So he pretended not to see it. And so he took his son to the left and his son got, got uh, outside the arms of his dad and ran towards this man on the crutches. And he tried, but he was, very, he was a little child. But he tried to get the crutches under this man, and, and then he couldn't do it. But as he was trying, people then came, and others helped him up. So his son went back to the father crying, and he stood in front of Raphael and he said, Dad, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So his dad looked at him and said, you did. You did, because when you went, did you see that? Other people went, and they got him up. You did it. Well done, son. And he said, it taught, taught me a lesson. He said, it's not that, you know, sometimes we are in bed. Sometimes you feel you can't do it. He said, just by my son, even if he couldn't do it, he got others involved. And I think, maybe you think for yourself, you know, I can't communicate as well as so-and-so. I can't, I can't really evangelize like I... Here, I've not got that kind of um, gifting. But you know, when you get involved, it's amazing to see what will happen if you will take up God's word serious and you will step out in faith. Other people will join in. I believe that's what church is all about. Get involved. You know, so much of what we now call church history is because people have that sense of there's something that I miss here, something that God is speaking to me about. You know, I, I just read church history again over this last couple of weeks. I read up on people like John Wycliffe, the Bible translator. You know, his, you could say his simple desire was that he saw that everything was in Latin and it wasn't for the common people. And this desire was... Everyone should get to know God personally and have an opportunity to do that. And it spoke to me because I'm Roman Catholic from background. We didn't have a Bible. I was taught the Bible is not for normal people. It's for the priests to do that. And really spoke to me that when I got saved, I had my first Bible. And... I did some silly things because I started to, to because I, I heard about this saint, this Roman Catholic saint, and all night I tried to find him in the Bible. He wasn't there. Um, but, you know, I had, I had some fables, and, but I had my Bible, and it became a very precious gift. And I can see how what John Wycliffe had on his heart has affected the whole of the world. To see in every you know, desire to see in every nation, in every continent, every language, Bibles printed in their own language. It's just because one man had that great desire. He was missing something, 
And out of that missing something, something was birthed. Someone said of Luther, he was a man on a mission. His first mission was to make peace with God for himself. You know, all he grew up with, and when he was young, he was taught that God was a harsh God. He was an angry God. And Jesus was not an easy-to-please judge. But in his search for the truth, he found that God was so totally different than he ever been taught. The effect of the truth was that his life was totally transformed. And all he wanted to do is to not keep that good news for himself. Forgiveness through Jesus Christ and being a friend of God is available for everyone. The 95 Thesis on the door in Wittenberg is, came out of that desire that everyone might be saved and find God to be a God of love and a true friend. John Wesley, searching for true salvation, hoping to achieve it through his own acts of righteousness, found out he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Only through accepting Jesus Christ and knowing that we are righteous in Christ because of what he did and not of what we have done. He found that truth to be so important. It transformed his life and as a result it transformed the lives of many, many others. You look at church history, it basically all came out of something that people were either missing for themselves or they were missing in society in general or in the church. It resulted in mission. You know, I don't know about you, but when I lose something, I ask myself a couple of questions. I found out these days I'm losing more things than ever. <laughs> Not because I'm very old, I'm not going to go into jokes of old being old, but it's, it's just, you know, you can be busy, sometimes you forget things or you can't see them anymore. Questions I ask myself is this, when did I last have them? Don't you? What have I done in the time in between? When did I lose them? What has happened? You know, these are the kind of questions we must keep asking ourselves, not just over this weekend, but permanently. When did we last have it? Did we have it? When we talk about missional, when we talk about a church being effective in the community, uh, what have we done since? You know, I'm, I'm thinking of revival times. I'm desperate for that to come back. You know, I, I believe we lost it when the church starts to feel like a place that just feeds me. It's there for me. The thought that ch the church is there for my benefit, for my peace, for my needs. But also when the church, and it's been said over this weekend, and the difficulty about preaching at the end of a weekend like this is so many things I already shared. But I'll say it to you again, it's when the church becomes a place that where the pastoral becomes the most important aspect. I see that in Holland, I see it in Europe. It's more to do with your needs, my needs, than anything else. Or when the flow of the meeting and how the meeting went is more important than seeing the souls and the hearts and the lives of people saved. So just coming back to this story here in Samuel, um, it started with lost donkeys. And the turning point in the story is when the... Um, 
when the servant mentions the man of God, the prophet. And our text says this, the people in those days who wanted to turn their eyes to God turned to a prophet, to a seer. So really what it says is people wanted to turn to God. And I believe that the, the, the servant in the story is uh, the church. He represents the church. Uh, the calling um, to keep each other sharp in telling one another that we need to hear God in the things that we're doing. You know, missional is not through some great ideas preached. I'm so grateful that over these days, there's, there's not been, this is the way that you do it. Uh, I think what Dave taught us yesterday has been foundational, has been uh, implementing God's word so that we will find out from God's word what is relevant and important. I think Chris painted that wonderful broad picture of God's story and how he loves us and how the, uh, the, 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 the black and white television, the little television of the Old Testament, already hinted for the great grand finale of how God wanted to, uh, to spread the gospel through the church. And, um, but I believe it's through getting the now word from God uh, preached at us and spoken to us through prophetic words and through us waiting on God and hearing God of how do we present the gospel in Edinburgh in 2015. It won't be the same as D.L. Moody did on a hill and Sankey with his accordion. It'll be different. It'll be different, you know. I found that over the years that what I did when I was young, uh, preaching, I, I went around door knocking. And, I, and I, I think that's out of fashion, is it? It's not, I've never had anyone come to my door that way. But it is something that we have to find God's mind and God's heart for. How do we see it? Not to try to become the latest um, fashion just by being a little more creative than the church around the corner. It's, it's um, you know, I, I found in your video last night with the, uh, even for finding the building, moving on prophetic words that have come. And I, I think that's what it is. It's moving on what God has been saying. It's the prophetic words that come to us. And sometimes we try to solve it too much by ourselves. You know, as a Roman Catholic boy, uh, we were taught that um, when you lost something, you go to St. Anthony. You talk to St. Anthony. Because he was the saint of lost property. <laughs> he was a saint of lost property. And, and so... Uh, the good thing about this, you, at least we were taught that you ask someone. But dear people, it's not St. Anthony. We're not going to St. Anthony. We go to God. We just ask him, Lord, will you please help us and see that we will uh, find God's heart for it. And um, I just, for one short moment, like to finish up with uh, looking at Samuel's life. Because I think it's something to say us on mission. And um, Samuel uh, was prepared by God. Um, God had already prepared Samuel's heart for those that were coming into his direction. And Samuel had a very sensitive spirit. He was connected to God. Um, God, by his spirit, makes us aware of the opportunities that come our way. Um, 
Renee and I had, uh, had the privilege of praying for people for salvation over the years. We even had people coming at our door, really ringing at the door and saying, how can I be saved? Really like that. But I must confess also that many times I have missed the opportunities by not being sensitive enough and not being sensitive in my spirit. In our translation it says this, God had revealed Samuel that Saul was coming. But in another translation it says that God has uncovered his ear. Um, and I believe to be a missional people, we need to be and remain sensitive to the guiding and the directions of the Holy Spirit. Inside the meetings and outside the meetings, the uncovering of our ears. I need more of the uncovering of my ears. The second thing we see with Samuel is a really true humility. Because Samuel, up to that point, I don't know if you understand that, but he was a prophet used by God. He was the voice in the nation. And God says from this time onwards it will be different. And Samuel really stepped back. And he said to Saul, you go ahead of me. You go and sit at the head of the table. And you'll be the invited guest. And I was thinking about our attitude as Christians towards the non-Christian, about people in the street. It's not out of pride or arrogance, or we are better. You know, I'm no better. <laughs> I'm no better being Christian, I'm just saved. I, I, I'm loved by God, I know that, I understand that. But sometimes we come across as, you know, we have the answers and we will tell you. He was willing to serve God, Samuel was. And the third aspect we see here is how Samuel approaches Saul. Uh, he says, today you are to eat with me, and tomorrow I'll tell you all that is in your heart. It started with the natural in finding the donkeys. But the main focus is that God wanted him to understand what really was in his heart. You know, God with mission, wants to reveal the hearts of the people, to help the heart, to change the heart. And, and Samuel wasn't impressed just with the external and the natural, but he kept looking what was the most important aspect, which was the heart. You know, you can sometimes be involved as a church in um, uh, food programs and, and all the other things, but God is interested in the heart, just want to find out what is really there. Let me make a last point on this. Samuel addresses the cook, and he says to the cook, bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. And what it tells me is that Samuel was prepared. He knew what to give when Saul came. And... Um, I think that's a beautiful thing with things like Alpha. God has given us a piece of meat, something that's already prepared, something that will help people uh, to really get to know God better. And I think that is a wonderful thing for church, to get prepared for the people that are coming, 
to have programs in place, to have, um, to have a teaching in place, uh, to have people that are well prepared and discipled. Paul in the New Testament says that all the time we need to help people to, be, to have a speech seasoned with salt, to be ready for others to come and for us to talk to them. Uh, you know, we need to apply what God gives us. And that's not the same for everyone. God had a peace for Saul, but it was different from what the other people got. And I found over the years that some people are really um, affected by the times of worship. And that really changes their minds and hearts. Other people are really affected by, um, by word and by really solid doctrine. And that affects them and changes their hearts. Other people, again, they are really touched by family and by loving one another. And that changes their hearts. It's not the same for everyone. And I'm always amazed how people sometimes in, in meetings, and I think it must be through the word, but no, it's been through a song. Or it's been through just someone approaching them at the door, just someone shaking a hand, saying, welcome, it's wonderful to have you here. I found that people are changed, actually, just by being welcome. They say, hey, this is a wonderful, welcoming church. It changes their lives. It's not the same for everyone. And we have to find God's heart for it. And, and so Samuel had put aside a piece of meat and... Saul, on the other hand, had no choice. <laughs> he was, it says really here, he was to eat what was set before him. Samuel B. said, eat. It's a bit like at home. When I grew up, my mom said, eat. This is it. I don't like sprouts, eat. <laughs> at the Bible school, we had, uh, we, years ago, we went to a Bible school near Bradford. And we had people from international uh, community uh, of, of, of leaders. And uh, we were, um, uh, as a family, we were, all, all the kids were very small. And, uh, and then we had students from all over the world. And one couple came from America. And she had been used to only eat cottage, uh, cottage cheese and boiled eggs. That was all she ate. All, nothing else, all day. And her husband, he only ate steak. <laughs> Never had veg in his life. Nothing. Sometimes a bit of chip, but that was all. He would only eat meat and she would only... And so we were at the Bible school, and this, after a couple of days, the, one of the teachers said, is that all you eat? Yeah, that's all I eat. Well, that's finished. <laughs> finished? Yeah. You're going to eat veg. I'm not going to eat veg. Yeah, you're going to eat veg. Why? Well, if you're on a mission, you'll be in other cultures, and you'll be invited in other nations, and you will just simply eat what is set before you. He was shocked. It took them a while to eat what was set before them. But you know, sometimes it's a shock for people that come from all over the place to simply eat what is set before them. You know, in church, you don't decide when you come, say, I just like this, and I just don't do that, and I'll do this. We're, we're not... I'm not into this or that. No, you eat what is said before you. You just take on board all of it, and even the stuff that you maybe don't like today is very good for you. <laughs> God's given us some stuff to eat that we think, you know, even spiritually, sometimes you think, 
Why, Lord? Why do we go through all this? It's just because you have to learn to eat what is set before you. You're not picking and choosing. It's not like this guy, you know. He, he was on this island by himself. He was landed on his island and no one else around him. And so he'd been there for years. And after many years, it'd been, someone rescued him. And so people came with a boat and came on, on shore and, and said, let's go. He said, no, let me just show you around a little bit on the island. And so he, uh, there was nothing to see on the island, but um, there was this one building. There were three buildings. And so they said, what is this building there? He said, well, that's my home. I live there. Wow. So impressive. So what's that building then? He said, well, that's, that's my church. I build a church. Hmm. Wow, yeah. So what's that ch- the building? I said, that was a church I used to go to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, with God, you cannot pick and choose. You cannot just, you know, it, that last joke is a bit more like, like Holland than, than anything else. Um, <laughs> but but what, what it says here with Samuel and Saul is that the picture at the end of that story is that uh, Saul and Samuel, Samuel took his time with Saul. He didn't say immediately, here's the word, here's the, the laying on of hands. He said, no, just eat. Just have some time. Tomorrow I'll tell you more. I just want to tell you that it's okay with the donkeys. Just peace of mind. But there's more to come. You know, what I sense as well with missional is give people grace and give them space. You know, it's all, it doesn't happen all overnight. It's not you know, like something that, it is a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, even what you've heard over these days, it's a process. Don't try to fit it in all tomorrow. It's something that, get it on board, eat, take it in. You know, it's, it's like, uh, it was a group of 30, it's like a, a big house group setting. It's, it's, it's family. And it's something that just eat together, enjoy, and, and, and then there's something that will happen later on. It's a beautiful story of people that we know who've been part of the walking church who are now serving in Texas. And, and they came in the church and he was so tied up he couldn't really focus on anything. And he said, the beauty of the church was this, they left me alone. I was just there, and I, even the worship, God, God was just healing me through worship. I just came in to listen to the worship time, and was healing. I cried. All, every time I came, I cried, he said. But I was so grateful people left me alone. We couldn't, I couldn't handle anyone. He said, and after a season, and God knew the right season, people came up to me, they discipled me, and it, cha- it changed my life. He said, if they'd come any earlier... I'm not sure what would have happened. And I, I've, I've taken that picture on board. I thought, yeah, sometimes, you know, I'm not saying that if people come in, leave them alone. That's not what I'm saying. But you know what I'm saying is that sometimes we can put too much pressure on certain people. We need to be sensitive in the spirit and say, no, just we've said enough for today. It's enough for them to take hold of. There's something else will come later on. I, you know, my, my problem is I, I try to bombard them with Jesus and, and I want to see them saved quickly. So, but, you know, it doesn't happen in life like that. Sometimes we need time. Eat, drink, let them see your life. Let them see what you're made of. And then there was this opening for Samuel to talk and to see him change. You know, when I'd just like to close with saying this, that when I got to know Jesus, I became 
no longer a lost person, but I received an amazing salvation. And through that, God gave us a calling into the mission. Anae and I have always felt the calling of mission, not because people talked about mission, but because we felt there's a world out there that is lost without Jesus. You know, what I received and we received is a calling from God. And I refer back to the very first words that Dave used at, on Friday night. He said, you know, some of you here will receive a calling from God. Like Saul was lost, or was looking for lost donkeys. He didn't know he was on his way to find his calling in life. You know, while you are busy with finding the lost, at the same time God is calling you into his purposes. And some of you will know. I think Dave spoke that out of desire, but also felt it was a prophetic edge. Some of you feeling it's more than the country you've been praying for, or the people you've been praying for, or the family you've been praying for. Something God calls you more and more into. And for some of you, it would probably mean you're moving on into different nations. It's my desire and my prayer that that will happen. Europe needs people and churches like King's Church here. And some of you will be called into that. Others of you are called to stay <laughs> and to build and from here to help the church to be on that mission and send others on that mission. You know, I received, Anne and I have many times said we have received an exciting new life. It's an adventure to go with God. We become part of a family on a mission. Being a missional church starts by getting a heart and a passion for what is missing. Feeling the heart of God for lost people. And like Samuel, we need a very sensitive spirit, connected to the spirit of God. Having a humble heart, not to act out of a position, but to be willing to serve, to keep our main focus on effect affecting the hearts and staying practically connected with people around us. God wants us to prepare others. I think the beauty of even these days is that it's in the hearts of the leaders, but it's also in the hearts of many of you, I find, talking with people, is that you want to prepare people well. I found in the interviews you have prepared people well, and I pray that you will continue to do that. Prepare them well for what is ahead of them. I think you're doing a great job in doing that and helping them, discipling, defining what you really want to see. Others of you, and you might be here maybe for the first time and you don't know Jesus. You know, you might know that there's a home for you when you leave this meeting, a home where you sleep, a home where you eat. But if you're not certain of a home when this life is over, let me tell you this, you are lost. You need a home for eternity. He is the shepherd who's looking for you. He is like the woman in the story, looking for a lost coin. He is like a father who's waiting for his lost son. He knows that you're looking, 
and he knows how to find what you're looking for. He is the one. Can we stand, can I? It's okay for me to pray, yeah? I think, just want to say to people that don't know Jesus, there's an opportunity for you to get to know Jesus. He doesn't want you to stay lost. He wants you to be a found one, to be part of his family. And I just want to pray for you, if that's you. Um, I also want to pray for the church, for you in this, in Kings. Let me say this, you qualify by not staying indifferent. <laughs> you qualify by just acting. And your acting might be just starting with praying. <laughs> your acting might be by just being available and to roll up your spiritual sleeves to find God's heart for the lost and to get involved wherever you are. I believe that God is here by spirit and I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray for each of us that will just find God in our journey. And Father, I just pray that you will just help us in this moment in time when we've had heard so much about being missional, send on a mission, and knowing that your heart is for each of us, for the lost in our city, for the lost in our nation, for the lost in Europe. It gripped my heart, Lord, to see at this video, to see all these stars in this circle go back, almost like an empty circle. Father, it, it hurts in one sense. It, it does feel that, uh, you know, to see Europe as a, a mission field. Lord, we are part of Europe here in Edinburgh. We're part of Europe in Holland. We're part of Europe, Lord. And to be part of this, Father, to just hear the story yesterday of Belgium, Belgium, Lord, and the, the, the small percentage of people that really know you. Father, it, it, there are so many missing things that are missing, and we desperately need you. I just pray, Lord, for a massive, great outpouring of your spirit. Pray for revival to come. Lord, for story after story that comes, Lord. You are doing a great work, Lord, but we pray for more of that. Father, we're not, we're not depressed, Lord. We are full of hope. We are full of hope because we believe that what you did in the past, you will do again. Lord, we just are so excited about that wonderful news that you are there searching and searching and searching. And the beauty is you'll find and find and find. You say that the, the harvest is ready, the, the fields are white. Lord, it's wonderful news. I pray, Father, for many, many workers in the, this field. And pray, Father, that none of us will stay indifferent, but we will just roll up our sleeves and find you in all that we're doing. Lord, we pray for your grace and your faithfulness and your mercy to pour it be poured on each of us. Our Father, I pray for people that are here that maybe have a home to go to today but don't have any home if they would now die. And I pray, Father, you have been preparing a home for each of us. And Father, we pray for those. And I pray for you if you are here and you don't know Jesus and uh, you desperately dare to want to know him. You feel that, no, there is no eternal home. If that's you, I 
just like the eyes of the others to be closed. But, so it's just between you and God. But if it's you, you, you don't have a home and you want that home. Can I see your hand? I'd love to just pray for you shortly that you'll find God in your life and uh, not be lost but saved. He is here to search and to find you. You're not here just out of accident or coincidence. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. So, Father, we just commit ourselves to you to be people like Samuel, prepared for those that you send our way, to have that sensitive spirit and to have that heart that will not be proud of what we have achieved, but willingly serve you in our lives. Pray, Father, that this weekend will have a great effect on the church for this next season in time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.